Welcome hey. to episode three. Yes, the third episode of a long line of podcasts. I'm trying to think of if there's anything substantial about the number three. I feel like we're well established already, but but perhaps now, now that we've hit that third episode, <laughs> I don't know. Now we've arrived. Now we've arrived. <laughs> We made it. Yeah. Well, happy Wednesday, happy hump day. It seems appropriate too that we do this in the middle of the week. I think it's brilliant. Um, it just feels like a good, good carryover to kind of get through the rest of the week, be able to look back. A lot of, lot of stuff happening right now for sure. Yeah. No, I think it does. It's a good way to break up the week, kind of give some people uh, some information, and you know, kind of put it together and. Like you said, it's just a good day overall to divvy it all up, you know. And yeah. uh, and I was gonna say, I I think the saying is, you know, uh, good things happen in threes, right? So yeah, better. I mean, <laughs> if, if they haven't before, they are right now. It's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, we're for the third time. That. Yeah, we're making history. No big deal. Someone contact Guinness. Let them know we just made history. So yeah, so a lot of great topics today. Um, Essentially, what we're going to try to get through is is uh, some draft class players from last year and also this year. And, of course, yesterday, for anyone that doesn't know, I was a presser with Coach Mike Rabel. A lot of great information that came out of that that we're going to dive into. And then, really, it's just team and league information before we hit those threads. So that's the, that's the goal. That's the map, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a good plan. I'm glad you laid that out so people know kind of, you know, what's coming up next and we'll try to transition everything as smoothly as possible for a couple Absolutely. of noobs. Got to so, establish it now that way one day when we have like commercial breaks, it'll, you know, it'll make more sense and then we can do the whole when we come back. I got it all mapped out. It's going to be great. We're just not there yeah, yet. We're not there yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but let's go let's go back to last year. Uh, the draft class for 2019. Um, I'll admit, I really thought I like knew for sure exactly who I wanted to highlight. And then I looked at the class again and I was like, man, this was a really strong group of guys overall. So it's kind of hard to, to select even just a couple, but who is it that you thought really stood out in terms of what was expected versus how they actually performed? Yeah. So, so I think the, you brought up a really good point leading into this was that I did look at the, the list as well. And it was kind of surprising to me because I, I had an idea of who I was going to go with. And then I kind of looked at the list and I thought, man, a lot of these guys really, it was a little tougher to, it was a little closer to pick than I thought. Um, seeing how we got a lot of production out of the draft class of 2019. So, uh, so you know, it was it really where, where I landed on, kind of taking everything into account was, you know, AJ Brown. I mean, I just feel like he knocked it out of the park. You know, we picked him 51st overall out of Ole Miss. You know, he kind of had a chip on his shoulder thinking that he was actually a first rounder and rightly so uh, almost winning uh, rookie of the year. I believe it came down to him and uh, gosh, I can't think who they ended up picking now. I'm sorry. I'm kind of, brain fart there right but uh, it was definitely an oscar snub yes it was definitely a snub and so you know coming out of college at 6'3 226 pounds i mean he was you know definitely built to play in 
you know, today's NFL. And so I think he really proved himself picking up, you know, a thousand fifty one yards, eight touchdowns, one long for ninety one yards. You know, the guy averaged, you know, twenty yards a carry. I mean, he was just a beast, you know. Uh it was just he I mean, he just really is made a big impact, especially since you know, when you really think about it, it, it t- Titans historically always struggled with uh, bigger receivers like him. We just never really kind of landed on that right one. So, you know, I think it was just a really great thing. And so he, I'm going with A.J. Brown all day long. I love it, man. I, I love that you picked A.J. And I actually also have him down. Um, and what's incredible looking at him is, you know, a lot of times you, you draft a guy and it's, of course, based on their production coming out of college uh, but there's always that aspect of like, okay, are they going to maintain and just continue to produce what's going to happen? But looking at the two years he was with Ole Miss, he had back-to-back seasons of 1,000-plus yards. So for him to do that and also carry a 16-yard catch average in college and then to come into the NFL as a rookie and have another 1,000-yard season with a 20-yard catch average, that, that's just incredible. Um, and, and especially with him, what I think really stood out, I mean, you, you called it in terms of, we're not usually a team that, that maybe has this type of receiver, especially, but what really stood out was the yards after catch. Um, he wasn't just a guy that ran the route, caught the ball. And that was the play. I mean, he had, he almost had 500 yards after the catch. So almost half his yardage for the whole year was literally just his playmaking ability to keep the play going. Um, so standout guy um and and even in the playoffs i know that when we got into the playoffs i'm gonna go there i know it might still feel too soon but i'm going there (laughs) even in the playoffs um he was only targeted 10 times overall for five catches but he still had a 12 yard catch average so i think that just shows that even in game scenarios where we're running the ball more when he's targeted he still is a guy that's going to get those extra yards so i i really couldn't agree more in terms of him being a standout guy and it's it's super exciting to kind of see where that goes now that he's going to have that carryover with Tannehill especially yeah no I I I think the only uh negative thing you could look at from last his stellar season last year was probably some of the postseason numbers um you know it doesn't really uh strike you as a guy who was in contention for rookie of the year and he uh who ended up winning it was Kyler Murray so uh you know out of Arizona. Um, so, you know, normally quarterbacks get the nod over anybody else if, if they are a rookie like that. But um, yeah, he didn't really do much in the postseason. Um, I think if you watch those games, you kind of understand why the Patriots pretty much just took him out of the game. And of course, we ended up grounding and pounding it uh, against them and Baltimore. Um, so, you know, there wasn't really like this huge uh, passing game that we kind of came into thinking that we were going to pick up all these yards. But, yeah, I mean, he just had a great season. I'm glad you pointed out the yards after carry. I think that's a really underrated stat uh, that you don't really see typically when you just click on a guy mm. on, you know, any kind of website on ESPN. You know, they normally give you the yards or the average and, and those kinds of details. But that's that's a really good detail to point out that he just was always fighting for that extra yard. Yeah, definitely exciting to see where, where he goes. Um, there's another player I wanted to highlight from, from last year, um, and that's uh, David Long. So this is a linebacker that we drafted out of West Virginia. Now, he, didn't, he really wasn't a starter um, and, and didn't see too much action until a little bit later in the season. 
But, you know, in terms of why he was brought in, he was the defensive player of the year for the Big 12 in 2018. He had 108 tackles in that same year, and 20 of those were for loss, and that was the best in the conference. Um, so overall, he came into the NFL with over 250 tackles, 14 sacks in three years at West Virginia. So they saw a lot of talent from this guy. He, he worked. He you know, was a practice squad type player. Week 10 versus Kansas City, that Kansas City game, which was, I think, such a huge turning point in the season, was where he really shined. He had 11 tackles on 28 snaps in that game. He forced a fumble that Rashad Evans returned for his first career touchdown, and that was huge in that game. Um, but he also was, was a guy that was in the playoffs for us. So he played in each playoff game and ended up with 10 solo tackles and also 13 combined tackles. He's definitely a guy that knows how to – Work, work with his, his other teammates to, to end the play. So certainly it's someone that is probably going to continue to be a role guy going forward. Um, but especially late in the year, you know, we had some injuries sometimes that we really needed someone to step up. And, and I just I wanted to shout this guy out because I think he really helped us out a lot. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one to point out. Um, my, my number two is actually Nate Davis uh, out of Charlotte, third-round pick ended up playing right guard for us uh, the whole year. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of this information in front of me like you did, <laughs> you were prepared for with uh, Long. And, you know, uh, but the good thing is, is I think he solidified the right side, you know, uh, and fighting a right guard in the third round that ends up playing the whole season. Um, and, and the kid did struggle out the gate. Um, I mean, he was definitely the weakest link on the line. But after, I think it was probably like week five or six, he finally came around and, you know, he was, he's so fast. He's really great on the, on the run game. A lot of the runs that he, uh, Henry would run to that right side. I mean, he was out there blocking in front of him. And so it was great to find a, a guy that's going to solidify the right side for us for years to come in the third round like that. Well, and he's a great call out because certainly, you know, I mean, we, we had a lot of issues early on. And of course, if, if that front line isn't doing their job, isn't blocking well, just nothing else is really going to happen. So he, he certainly had, I think he definitely showed that he was able to kind of continue to develop throughout the year, become more consistent. Um, and, and all those things kind of lead to, you know, the year that Henry had, the year that Tannehill was able to have. Uh, so I think it's a fair call out um, and, and, and hopefully a guy that we can, uh, in some ways, kind of just keep relying on. Yeah, I, I think he had a great year, and, and like you pointed out too, I think Long had a a really good year. Uh, you know, and these are all guys like you said that you know came in and helped us. And again, I think it's just a a really good sign of Robinson just being on mark with finding these guys in the draft, which is you know, you know, I hate to say it, but it's the Patriots' way. I mean, that's just <laughs> the way they do it. You know, they just keep finding guys in the draft they coach him up for four or five years and then at that point they either re-sign him or let him let him walk to some other team you know so, yeah and, and 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 really you could argue it, it's clearly working right I mean like there's there's something about that next man up mentality and I think even in just a couple of seasons now uh under Vrabel you've you've really seen that mindset where it's just guys looking for ways to make a play when they can so whether it's hey, we need you to start this week, or now you're in this role, we're depending on you. I really think we've created a culture of guys. And like you mentioned, J-Rob has been able to find these guys in the draft, even undrafted, that just understand 
looking for ways to contribute. And that's, I mean, that's why we're, in my opinion, one of the most competitive teams now, now competing for a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he's just really turned around picking those guys, finding, you know, the type of guys that, that fit into Rabel's scheme. I mean, he recently said that, you know, he really felt like he didn't have his team until Vrabel was hired. You know, I'm sure that wasn't a knock to uh, the previous head coach, but I, I kind of understand what he means. It's, you know, it's, he's got his coach. He's got like what, three, three drafts, you know, underneath his belt. Um, I know initially when he came on, uh, when Malarkey was still coached, he ended up taking when, his first year, he took on a lot of the, a scout, the scout team that was already in place, he ended up just keeping them. And then it wasn't until I think the, the next year he finally started to kind of put his guys or, or you know, kind of change things up for his way. So I, I really feel like he's like firing on all cylinders now. And, and that's just huge because, you know, g- getting the high priced free agents isn't always a luxury that you have every year, you know. And I just don't really see some of the teams that, you know, are, are consistently in you know, in the playoffs or making a, a run for the, the Super Bowl or, or, or year after year just signing these, these high free agent players because it's just un, unsustainable, you know? Yeah, totally agree. It's, it's, it's probably one of the aspects of, of sports in general that is just really easy to kind of underappreciate just in terms of what it really takes to scout players, be aware of who's coming up, you know, and just, just knowing which players will add to your team. Um, so it's, it's definitely a great call out and kind of a good segue into looking at the guys that we've, we've just brought in this year. So 2020 draft class, who's, who is a guy that, that you think is, is either really standing out already or someone that you're really expecting a lot from? Yeah, I, I didn't really waste too much time on this, this pick. I, I kind of knew from the start and I, you know, if you listen to episode two, you probably got a, a whiff or a sense of where, you know, I was probably going to head to. And I, you know, I landed on, you know, Darrington Evans. Um, you know, I just really feel he's my guy. He's the guy I'm the most excited about that we drafted. I feel like he's going to compliment Henry and take our run game to another level, especially possibly even this year more so just because I think this year you might not see these very elaborate exotic type offensive schemes where it's going to be a lot of like hand the ball off and kind of hope for the best with, you know, the limited action of guys getting practices or dealing with, you know, the virus and and those kinds of things. So I think just running the ball, very vanilla, it's going to work. And I think this kid is is just going to kill it. You know, he's, he's from a small town in Florida. Uh, His parents were both athletes. His dad was a all American baseball player. His uncle played for the Phillies. Um, his mom was a track star, so he just has, you know, that lineage of, of family members that were very athletic. Um, you know, he actually played re- wide receiver in 2017 for Appalachian State, uh, you know, which was, you know, really kind of interesting for a guy to switch from running back to receiver like that. So I think that's going to help us with having more of a pass catching back, which we really hadn't had in a while. Um, and then in 2018, he ended up rushing for a thousand yards, seven touchdowns. He was averaging 6.6 yards a carry. I mean, that's unreal. Um, and then in 2019, he actually was the starter. He wasn't the starter that year, 
Uh, he still racked up 1,400 yards uh, with 5.8 yards a carry with 18 touchdowns. That really stood out to me. I mean, that's crazy. Um, and he also had 198 in the passing game, five touchdowns through the year, and he did return one kick for a touchdown, which, you know, I think that's going to be huge for us if we actually found our punt returner as well. Because, I mean, I think we had a lot of talent there when we found Raymond. But, I mean, if this guy, you know, was was actually a punt returner in college, I think he's going to, you know, maybe end up taking that spot from, you know, Raymond or at least help on the, you know, the kickoffs and, and things like that, you know. And, and just one last tidbit about the kid is I know I'm going on all day about him. Um, he actually was the only other guy – Besides Chris Johnson, you know, former Titan, and the current Panther star, Christian McCaffrey, in this millennium to rush for at least 1,400 yards, uh, catch at least five touchdowns, and return a kickoff for a touchdown. So it's only those three guys who have done it. So I think it's just a testament to how good he, he was in college and I think how good he's going to be in the NFL. I mean, based on that last fact, he's clearly a superhero. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that qualifies as an actual superhero. It, it's impossible to not be excited about this kid. Um, so I think it's a, it's a perfect call out, especially because, you know, and we talked about it a little bit, I think, especially last week. Um, we need that versatility for the second running back spot. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've kind of, we weathered the storm a little bit like a few years ago when we had DeMarco Murray. And then of course, last few years we had Deion Lewis. And I think we had moments where it was like, okay, but we just haven't really been able to keep, I think, the same intensity and the same production um, if we're trying to run or, you know, do a screen type play if Henry's not in. So, you know, and, and you, you may have already touched on it, but I mean, he's, he, you know, six yards per carry, eight yards per reception. Those are sizable numbers. I mean, if, if you know, there's always those, those moments where like Titans run on first down. And, and sometimes the fans are like, oh, God, no, not again. But like, if you're getting six yards of carry or if it's a pass, play, you're getting eight yards. I mean, that's, that's what you want to see. So I think it definitely gives them the versatility that they needed. Couldn't agree more too, in terms of, you know, maybe the punt returning. I, I think we definitely need some help there so that we're able to free up some of the other guys who have been doing that. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think he's definitely a standout kid and it's very exciting to see kind of what, uh, what happened there. Um, the guy that I kind of went to was actually Christian Fulton, uh, cornerback from LSU. Um, and I, I looked a little bit more into him. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, he, he actually missed the 2017 season altogether. Right. Um, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a mistake mishap there uh, with uh, drug test tampering. But I think what's interesting is, you know, you touched on earlier, just the, the ability of, of J Rob and able to kind of look for certain guys, you know, they spoke very highly of this kid. Um, in terms of feeling really strong about his character, his ownership, just ability to move forward. Um, and, you know, the 29% forced incompletion rate from 2018 is certainly what stands out. Um, and if you even want to go further back, he was defensive player of the year, two straight years in high school. So, I mean, he certainly has talent, certainly has ability. Um, and this is key because, you know, we, we let Logan Ryan walk, essentially, um, and I really think it, it's back to that mentality of younger and cheaper guys. This was part of that inspiration to feel like we could do that. So he definitely has some shoes to fill. Um, so I think it's going to be exciting to see what he can do in that position. Um, and recently, you know, he's even been training with, with guys like Ryan Clark. So I think he's taking some good steps to get some mentorship. And certainly once he's, 
you know, able to interact with some other guys. I think we still have a good group of, you know, role players around him that he'll be able to draw off of. So that was, that was kind of the person that I, that I'm looking at hopeful for in terms of what we might see. Do, do you think he starts right away or do you think he has to maybe, uh, you know, compete and kind of be more of a rotation guy? You know, my, my first, my first thought on answering that is, is very like Vrabel-ish, right? Because ideally that's just going to be based on what we see in, in practice, especially. And we're not there yet, of course, but I think there's a huge chance that he starts. I, I honestly think that that's the goal of bringing him in. And we do have some other guys um, on deck um, that, that certainly could be just as productive for us. But I think that's the goal. I think they're going to look to try to give him a chance early. Um, and, and some of it might obviously just depend on scheming-wise what we see. I want to say I'd have to go back to our schedule, but I feel like we have some fairly simple – offensive opponents you know early on so I, I, th- I think he's going to get a chance to to kind of really at least show what he's what he's able to do yeah no I think I think you're absolutely right there's a lot of potential in the kid um that, you know coming from such a a big school like he did and being a star corner for you know in the NCAA I, I think there's no reason why he wouldn't just come in and start and you know make things happen for us so he was definitely a good pickup and you know a lot of the the uh headlines you know kind of after the draft was what a steal he was i mean that mm-hmm. it felt like every article or youtube video that came up in my feed was just like titans have the steal of the draft in the second round because uh, a lot of people thought he was a first rounder so you know yeah no i agree that was kind of the the pulse is it seems like some players kind of gave up on him last minute and, uh, you know, look, again, I, I think we, we, we're bringing in guys that have already shown the ability to compete highly and well and consistently. And so that's what we're going to expect. And uh, we'll see. It, it's, it's obviously up to him at this point to, to step up and do it. Yeah. No, I think, I think he's going to fare well. And, it'll, you know, it'll be exciting for him to come in and compete. Um, and, and just coming back to uh, – uh, Darrington really quickly uh you know one of the the comparisons I read you know today on him you know because he's only 5'11 203 pounds which is not really big and really small compared to Henry um who's a beast but you know the comparison with him uh that they brought up in the article was to Raheem uh Most Mostert from San Francisco you know he killed it that last part of the season for San Francisco um, just running through players. And so, I mean, I don't expect him to sort of have that sort of same style, but, you know, for those out there who think, you know, well, he's a smaller kid, how do you expect him to kind of make things happen? I think that, you know, there's plenty of other running backs that are uh, very successful in today's NFL at that size. And, you know, he's still a young kid. He easily could put on you know, 10, 15 pounds, once he gets in the weight room, starts eating, he could still, you know, maybe even grow a few inches being so young, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of potential, I think, for him. But if he stays at that size, I think he's, he's still in that range to compete and and give us another option at running back. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. You feel like doing some breaking news? Yes, let's do it. We're going to do some breaking news. Got to give a shout out to our, our main man, Derek Shaka Henry because he was officially named today as number 10 on the NFL top 100 list for 2020. Yes. Baller. I love it. <laughs> so well-deserved. So well-deserved. And I mean, we have some other guys on there, I'm aware. 
I know Tannehill was, I think, late 60s on that. Logan Ryan yep, made the list as yep. well. Yeah, so not to discredit anyone else that's on there, but, um, I mean, man, just, just the year that Henry had, uh, couldn't have a more deserving guy. So too excited not to share that, obviously. No, that was good information and, and, and well-deserved for a guy who just really put in the work last, last season. You yeah. Know? Here's to you, Shaka. Here's to you. <laughs> if we were video casting, I'd probably be drinking and I'd, I'd raise my glass one of these days. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to work that in on a Friday. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll get there. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, again, you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys that we carried over from 2019 into this year. And I think that that's kind of one of our secret weapons, to be honest with you. So definitely a lot of excitement there. And then kind of as we discussed, just some super studs from the 2020 drafts as well. Um, so you mentioned it earlier. Um, figure we'll move on to it now if you're if you're ready. This is the presser with Mike Vrabel that was yesterday. Um, did you get a chance to to watch, tune in at all? Yeah, I did. I got to listen to it uh, while I was doing some work. Uh, you know, really interesting stuff. Um, you know, it's it's just crazy where we're at, you know, in today's world and today's NFL with the virus impacting uh, so many different things. So uh, him going through a lot of that was just kind of mind blowing to think that, you know, the first kind of real presser before, uh, you know, camp starts was going to be like half the camp, uh, half, sorry, half the presser was just on trying to get everybody's head around all the testing procedures. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on. And I mean, it was definitely kind of nice to hear from him and kind of get a sense of, of where it's at. I mean, one thing to, to kind of point out that I think he was really clear about is that the team, the franchise, one, they've taken all the steps that they can to update the facilities. So all the facilities are updated, you know, with COVID in mind. So it's COVID friendly there, the, the facilities for the team. Um, and there's a plan that's in place. Um and there's interestingly enough, not every team has gotten uh, a plan approved. Some are still having it reviewed, but Tennessee, uh, their plan was approved uh, by the Players Association. So it's very much a here's the plan right now. We'll see how it goes going forward scenario. Um, so as best I could recap it, you know, they're starting with with player testing and then they do self quarantining physicals would be on the fifth day. Day six is equipment fitting, um, and then that seventh day is when they actually would do some lifting and an actual walkthrough, and they're doing all of this with two separate groups. Um, and so that that part is certainly unique because there's not really going to be a, a moment for the team to come together entirely until early next month. So it's going to be a little bit of a unique process to get things going. But did anything strike you about kind of how they're – trying to approach things right now, given everything that's going on? Uh, no, I was, I was really impressed by all the force, foresight in trying to make this work. I mean, it's got to be extremely difficult to try to keep 80 people uh, from not catching a highly contagious virus that is, you know, having a huge effect on our country right now. Um, and so to take that in, kind of come up with, you know, how to make a facility work with that many people. And, 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 you know, that's just the players, right? You're not throwing in the coaching staff, the trainers, the, the office people, you know, all the people that 
make things work, the people who run the food in, you know, uh, all the logistics people. I mean, there's just so many people in one area and to, you know, really have a plan that, uh, to me just, just sounded like it was really thought through was pretty amazing to be at, at this point. So I'm really glad that they put the work in, um, you know, Vabral thanked, uh, you know, the owner for, you know, investing some money and in, in making the facility up to snuff. And of course he reiterated how important their safety was. Um, and, and, you know, he went on to even say that, you know, he felt really safe there. And I think that was huge yeah. for him, him to point that out, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's certainly a unique balance. I mean, I mean, again, obviously they've, they've got a clear uh, game plan in mind for how they want to approach it. Um, and, and they, they certainly understand the, the sensitivity and respect of everything that's happening. But I, I do think that they're, they're taking what precautions they can. So hopefully, you know, we're able to get through this first stretch of time um, with as many guys good to go as possible. Um, and, you know, certainly it, it leads into other, other curiosity. There was certainly a lot of talk um, around clowning during the press conference. And I don't know, I don't know if you watched the entire thing, but I can tell you that by the end of that press conference, it was very visible that like, Rabel was just done hearing questions about clowning. Like it's, it's, I think any person would be like, yeah, we'd love to have the guy, but it's very evident that right now there just isn't any news. There's no update. There's no, you know, there, there's nothing, there's no fog that we're just not telling us about. It's just like, look, nothing new. Yeah. We've talked to him. Don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. And I know we, we sort of differ an opinion on this where, uh, Rabel is very short and, to the point on, on, you know, stuff on stuff like that about Clowney, you know, he just basically said that, you know, they're not scheduled to meet with him or anything. And that's just this, that's, that is the story. Um, you know, personally, I wish he would divulge more, you know, it would be nice to kind of get a little bit more insight to what's going on. And I, I know that, uh, you're perfectly happy with his answer where I, I kind of like, I'm kind of cringing, like give us more, give us more. But uh, I know at the same time, I mean, you know, he can't really lead people one way or another. Cause if he says anything that alludes that, you know, he is going to be on the team and he isn't, then all the fan base yeah. will start burning their jerseys about how, you know, he's not <laughs> on, he's not on the team. And then if he, do we do that? Do we burn? <laughs> I thought that was like a Cleveland thing. Uh, I mean, you know. I think what's interesting, what I appreciate in that, that tone from him though, is just that he, he's in my opinion, from day one, been very clear that he's focused on the guys that are there in that moment. Right. And so I think I can, I can accept it just because I understand that there, there may not be any more to tell people at this point. And, and certainly now, especially, especially now, the focus, his focus has to be on, you know, who's actually on the roster and figuring out who's going to make the official roster. So I think he's just a very present minded guy. And so there's only so much that I think he's going to allow outside of that. Yeah, no, he, he, he definitely just gives you what you need to know on a need to know basis. You know, um, it's very uh, military style, if you will, because he just it's just you got your your orders and that's it. <laughs> no yeah. questions asked. Um, but, uh, you know, I did like how he did stress, you know, the player's health was so important. I think he said that, you know, two or three times. Um, yeah. He also, you know, one of the questions from the actual press uh, that was on the Zoom meeting uh, asked about, like, what if a player uh, went out and, you know, 
went to a club or went and had fun or went and hung out with friends. And, you know, Vrabel was quick to say that, you know, their mantra is not to control the player, but to influence them instead. And I thought that was huge to hear because I think that's a, a really great point. Cause I mean, you know, if you're at this point in life, you know, you're 20 something years old and you're making all this money and you want to go out and have fun and you're willing to risk, you know, the players in the bubble, you know, that are in the safe zone, you know, that you, that person is probably going to do it. It's just, you know, it's just so hard when you're young and, and all of that. But at least if, like he said, if we can, if they can influence you, the guy and make him understand what a big deal this is, then I think you won't see, you know, the types of flare-ups that we're seeing in, in some of the other major sports situations where one guy, you know, obviously gets out and brings it back and causes a lot of problems, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the hope and, and, and it certainly seems like there's a really good positive locked in focus. One of the things that he mentioned that I really like is, you know, he, we kind of heard about this throughout even the off season, but he, he mentioned even yesterday about how they feel they had a great response from, from the players overall, even during like the virtual spring meetings that they had. So obviously, you know, going back to probably as early as March or so, you know, the team's kind of been in touch in various ways virtually. And they, they feel like even from just doing that, I'd like to think that that's one of those things that in my opinion, it carries over. Like, like when it comes time, whether it's preparing for, you know, practice week over week, the games, I think those types of things are really what helps the team just be able to compete together no matter what. So that, that part I thought was cool. Um, And and clearly they're, they understand just the reality of what's happening. It's going to be very much a, a touch and go scenario. Um, You know, certainly there was some curiosity around how are you going to adjust, you know, depending on what happens. And it's, you know, it sounded like he was pretty adamant that, you know, stick to the plan. And, and, and then if we need to, we'll, we'll kind of adjust from there. So, so what did, what did you feel from Vrabel's, you know, I guess whole kind of take on what's going on right now? Did, did, what, what did, did you feel like he was being genuine when he said that he was okay if a player decides to opt out? And the only reason why I asked that is because, you know, you could have potentially, you know, uh, somebody like Henry or Tannehill say, you know what, I'm I'm just going to do what's best for me and my family, and you know, and kind of say I'm I'm sitting this one out, guys. Uh, so so do you think, you know, from Vrabel's demeanor that he was, you know, you know, sincere about that, you know? I I do. I mean, I, I certainly think that from to me, there's two ways you look at it. There, there's there's the business and the personal, right? I think from a business standpoint, I think that the expectation and hope is that every guy is there when they need to be and is able to compete and perform and exceed expectations. That's the sense that I get, honestly, 24-7 from Vrabel, regardless of this pandemic. And I don't mean it in the sense that I don't think that he doesn't care that it's happening. I think he's very aware of it, very sensitive to it. He even mentioned for like his own family with his kids He's got, you know, at least one kid in Boston College. They're experiencing that same reality of kind of continuing to live life, keeping in mind everything that's going on. Um, and so I, I think he, I think he does mean that. I think that that's that coach mentality of, sure, if a guy says they want to opt out, we'll respect that because what are they going to do? It's not like a player can say I'm going to opt out and the team's like, no, you have to play. 
they really wouldn't have any choice but to honor it. So I, I think, I think in the right sense, I think he's hopeful that we obviously don't see a lot of that. I mean, not to get ahead, we've got so far just one player that's opted out um, of the season, but there's certainly a lot of players that are starting to do this and understandably. So you could certainly see a lot more. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and uh, I thought he was being, uh, he was being really real with, with everybody and, and stressing that it's okay if you decide it's not the right decision for you to play this year, you know? Yeah. So one, one topic that I, I thought was really great too, is um, someone asked about the defense and this is probably the, the biggest change that I think we're going to see from last year going to this year. Obviously DMP is no longer with the team, but someone asked about like, Hey, like, how how is everything with that defensive approach? Um, and and you know not to paraphrase too much, but but Vrabel was pretty quick to say, you know what, appreciate DMPs everything he did. We've moved on from that. We started moving on once the season ended, right? We're in the here and now, and he was pretty clear that his goal is to essentially be with that defense. And then when he's not, you know, he named Shane as one of the other coaches who's essentially going to step into that role of helping call and direct plays. Um, and I know we've talked about this a lot off air, but even a little bit so far the last few weeks, we certainly brought Jim Hazlitt in as well, but it's going to be interesting. He, he seems very variable. That is seems very comfortable, very confident in how they're moving forward, but it certainly is not a traditional approach to running a defense. No, it isn't. It, it's, you know, at this point you would have, you know, your defensive corner locked up, he would already be working and, and doing those kinds of things. Cause for all intents and purposes, you know, Vrabel is the defensive coordinator, right? Yeah. If you had to, to name somebody to, to put in that spot for peace. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, you know, he must feel really comfortable uh, with, with his staff. And, and, and where I'm going with that is I think he really is going to end up having almost like a wizard of Oz scene where, you know, yeah, he's, you know, he's for all intents and purposes, the defensive coordinator, but somebody behind the curtain is actually calling the plays and managing the game. And, you know, and I say that because, you know, you have one of the greatest teams of uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Bill Belichick, you know, more recently, it's been kind of exposed that, you know, some of the defensive coordinators were actually managing a lot of the defensive game, different defensive side of the ball where, you know, right now they don't, you know, it was sort of believed that he was actually calling the defensive plays, you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I think he just must feel really comfortable with what he got. I think he he probably found his guy that's really kind of like going to pull a lot of the strings and, and, and also at the same time be kind of like a committee approach, I'm sure, with having, you know, such such experience back there with a lot of really good coordinators and a former head coach. Uh, to kind of bounce ideas off. So it'll be really interesting how that works out. The only bad part I see uh, at this point with everything that, that I still don't understand or maybe have sort of a fear bubble around is that will he be able to manage the game, uh, maybe taking a bigger step with the defense? You know, uh, sure. can, can he do that? Um, I think at, at times we last year uh, I felt like it's not so much that we saw Vrabel fall asleep at the wheel. I just thought there was a few times where he could have called a timeout or he could have done 
a couple of things. Of course, that's me playing armchair quarterback. But, uh, yeah. you know, I think it, it, it just, you know, hopefully he's worked a lot of those things out. And when it comes time this year to, to be in the thick of things, calling plays, you know, substituting guys or whatever it may be on defense, he's able to just kind of still manage the game in the two-minute situations, you know. Yeah, it's it's a valid concern. I mean, I, I think that, you know, in any year you're going to see some some growing pains, but especially with a, a change like this. But I I would say that I think we've certainly seen enough, um, especially last year, to feel overall feel good about his game management. And I, I, I think there's so much, in my opinion, there's so much talent, uh, even in, in our some of our younger defensive guys, that, that I, I, I trust that group and I think that they're going to, find their stride maybe it'll take some time but I, I think we'll be there um but overall I mean it was a it was a good 40 minute presser um filled a lot of questions to me the overall takeaway was just we've got a plan in place the facilities are ready for the guys they're behind it we're here to to do our job we're here to keep the players motivated keep them safe healthy and at, at this point now it's just a matter of executing all this and hoping that it goes well um and so I, I think that that kind of leads us into just sort of the reality of where everything is at, because it's almost like right now, it's like, which list do you want to watch? There's some guys that aren't reporting at all. You've got uh, a COVID-19 reserve list as well. Obviously you've got the pup list and then you've just got guys that are opting out entirely um, out of all of that, which, which of those things is kind of catching your attention the most or is maybe the most concerning? Uh, I think the most concerning to me, uh, kind of looking at, at the list at, holistically, was seeing Jalen Brown um, on, the, on the pup list because to me, that, uh, I think he's a really big part of the defense. And, you know, being at the Bills game last year, um, it was just incredible. It was, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, it was, it was a rough one. Um, but watching him, you know, with my own two eyes, you know, not on the TV screen, it was unreal to see how fast he moves laterally. It's just, it's just crazy how he flies around the defense, and it's unfortunate the cameras just can't focus on him the whole game. He is literally flying, covering tight ends, covering running backs out the backfield, just running around to the runner. He's all over the place. So, um, you know, and he's covered a lot of premier tight ends. You know, he's had to deal with some of the, the baddest, toughest, fastest tight ends, you know, that we had to go up against last year. And it was his job to cover them. Um, and he did a really good job, I felt, uh, doing that. So seeing him not part of defense, that's the one that I think struck the most fear in in you know, for this season, seeing a guy on that list, you know? Yeah, I think that's, I would, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, overall for him last year was just a great year. He, I mean, he did miss a couple of games, but he actually had his, his best performance overall. Um, you know, and there, there's certainly moments that stand out. I mean, I, you know, he definitely had a, a great game against Oakland later in the season, huge goal line tackle at one point in the game. And then he picked up that strip pass catch and ran it in for a touchdown. Um, so, and, and I, I believe that he's also been, you know, the guy helping with play calling as well. Um, so he, he definitely has played a critical role, and I think he's really grown into that, um, especially this past year. There's just not a lot of information, and, I, and in a way, I think that's also what's concerning because I always wonder about athletes, especially when the season ends, 
right? Because it's like, obviously, to some extent, you imagine they need a break. But I also, just because I'm a fan, but I also have this expectation that they're going to be doing something to stay competitive and stay ready to play, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We don't really know a lot about where he's at. I mean, last year there were some, you know, shoulder and arm issues. But it, it, is, it is a concern because I think if, if that's a guy that's not going to be able to go, it's definitely going to be a, a void that we're going to have to figure out. Yeah, and the worst part is uh, with him and Corey Davis being on that pup list, um, we didn't really kind of – draft somebody or kind of uh, tackle them not showing up, you know, to camp or being ready for this year um, to kind of replace them. So I think kind of getting this information this late in the game, I'm sure Robinson knew way before it got released to the media this week, sure. but, but still kind of getting that, you know, like you said, because normally at least what I recall when that happens, it's usually because the guy is healing up, but then, once he starts to really start getting back into football shape, he realizes that whatever the injury was really wasn't, wasn't rest related. It really was like a, sure. something significant. significant, or they just feel like, you know what, I just need to clean this up. And unfortunately I didn't realize it till right now. And so they yeah. end up going on that list to take care of those knees, like scope a knee or, you know, clean up anything, any cartilage that's, that's causing problems. So, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate, but, He's definitely hands down the the biggest like uh, eyebrow raising guy that I saw on the list. I I think that yeah. the the guy behind him was definitely, uh, in my opinion, uh, Beasley, just because uh, he just hasn't communicated <laughs> and showed up, or we don't know what he's doing. He could be, you know hanging out at a bar right now. We just wouldn't even know. It's just kind of. <laughs> well, okay. So I can't argue with that. If he's doing that, Vic, wherever you are, we salute that, but get, get in touch with the team. Like, so, so to specify like he's, he's currently listed on the, the did not report list. And it's, it's, it is odd because we were talking earlier in prep work that, you know, usually in theory, that's sometimes an indication that a guy's just not going to play actually. And that he's decided to, to call it a day. And you were talking about how, you feel like that was part of what you know led to him leaving Atlanta was just him thinking that maybe he was done with football. I was pretty excited about this pickup, and and I I think that that's certainly a a great presence to have on the edge. So, if anything, to me, this is where I don't like not not having any details because it's like it'd be one thing if you know the team was like, well, we've heard from them, we're not going to talk about details, but we're in touch with them, whatever. But the, the fact that there's just no communication at all, that, that's definitely a, a concern. And, and whatever's going on, hopefully, you know, we're able to figure out something soon. I, it's just it's just a guy that I was – I'm still hoping, you know, is able to contribute. Yeah, and I, and I think this, you know, really would uh, cause a monkey wrench in whatever um, leverage that Robinson was trying to hold out, right? Because we signed him, you know, I think it was point. Five million that he was guaranteed for this year, and he's getting hit against the cap. And then, you know, after signing Henry, that kind of left us around 19 million, uh, which we wanted to come underneath that if we were to sign Clowney. You know, I think a, a deal around 15 to 13 million a year sounds reasonable for him. But, you know, I think, you know, with him on the roster, you kind of had that leverage to say to Clowney, for example, that 
we can't pay you those kinds of dollars because we're tied up with a bunch of other dollars and other players to, you know, go all the way where like now him not showing up, if we end up cutting him due to this sort of mishap or misstep on his part, we Clowney definitely could be like, well, you guys pay me the 19 or 20 million it is that he wanted. And we can't really argue one way or another. I mean, we would have the cap space to do it, but you know, it's just kind of unfortunate that it, we would all be kind of we put all our eggs in the basket with him in terms yeah. of him kind of re, reinvigorating the defensive line. Yeah, and and I I really don't mean to get too far ahead because again, we just really don't know what's going on there. But God forbid if it ends up being a scenario where that's just not going to happen, he's not going to play for Tennessee. Really, the only sort of like light is into the tunnel there is we would actually get back a fifth round pick. Um, so it's. It certainly would be a blow. I think it could certainly be a hiccup in what we're trying to do defensively. Not a complete total loss. It's just odd. Um, so, so hopefully we get you know some information on that sooner than later. Um, and then of course you know there's certainly going to be some guys that are put on the the COVID nineteen list, and that's pretty obvious what that's for. We've got a, a rookie Isaiah Wilson that's that's on there right now. Um, but now there's there's this growing list of players opting out. And it, it's beyond understandable. I mean, certainly I want nothing more than to see football. I think a lot of that just stems from – it's a little bit of denial because you, 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 you just you want that sense of like, oh, my God, it's almost football season. But there's still just a lot going on with this pandemic. And so, you know, players have the option to opt out. Um, and there's a couple of, of options for that, but we're, we're definitely seeing a list. And right now, interestingly enough, it looks like the, the Patriots have the most guys that are opting out so far. Um, we've got one guy, uh, Anthony McKinney, who's, who's opted out. Um, but, but I, I think out of everything that's going on, uh, this particular aspect, I think could be most impactful on the game because, there's, you know, there's already talk about them adjusting the, the number of guys on the roster. Um, I feel like we had moments last year where it was like, shoot, do we have anybody left on the sidelines? Like, you know, like there's already that sense of you need as many guys you can get just in case. So to have guys opting out, it just puts so much more pressure, I think, on, you know, the coaching staff selecting guys and knowing who they're going to get to work with and, and yet at the same time, I get it. Like I, I, you know, you, you said it earlier, what if it was like Tannehill or Henry opting out, it would suck. Like it would be soul crushing, but at the same time, like I would get it. Like I, I, I wouldn't be happy about it necessarily, but I would understand like why they did that. Yeah. The, the, the virus has really had a profound effect on our everyday way of life. And, you know, much to the point you made, I would love to see, football every Sunday, Monday and Thursday and just kind of, you know, take my mind off of, you know, all the pressures and, you know, fears of, you know, a pandemic going on right now in the United States. But at the same time, unfortunately, it affects everybody, even football players. (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, they got to do what's best for them. And I wouldn't blame them one bit. Um, You know, I I almost want to say it's it's even you know, I'll probably get a lot of crap for this, but I think it's actually smart to, you know, go that route where you kind of just say, Hey, I'm not going to risk my family, my kids, um, you know, and, and, and just not play because, uh, you know, if I was in that position, 
uh, I'm sorry, but my, my family would come first, you know, so absolutely. I, yeah, there, I would. there's so many variables. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, unless, you know, you're in one of those, those kinds of families where you, you're, you know, your family's just comfortable with you going away. Cause that's essentially what a lot of these guys are going to have to mm-hmm. do is basically live on the facility. Right. Yeah, uh, isolate themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's not that they wouldn't be able to see their family at all. It's just that, you know, again, it, it'll just be this huge amount of testing and questioning whether, okay, did, you know, did, did your kids get anything from school? Did, did you get anything to bring home? It's, it, it's a, it's a big mess. I mean, not only are we seeing guys opt out, there's guys getting placed on the uh, COVID list. Uh, you know, they can't really disclose whether they, they actually had COVID or not. And I think the NFL was kind of smart to do that, to not have numbers get carried away uh, with, sure. you know, uh, it's kind of, you know, they, they won't have to, you know, confirm or deny. Right. So, uh, but, uh, I think, I think, you know, you'll have guys that are going to be testing positive that, that can't play just cause they just caught it one way or another. And then you'll have again, guys that are just going to feel weary, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really tough situation. And, you know, uh, I think the NFL is doing the best they can. Uh, and, and, and I hope that they're able to pull this off. It would be huge if, if we get, you know, to, for example, week three or week four and no team is really suffering from some of the pitfalls that the other, uh, major sports teams are, are facing right now. But, you know, it's hard to say at this point and it could go either way where, I mean, this gets to a point where they cancel the season altogether. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts. One, you know, certainly I think the aspect that stands out more than anything in all of this is just that personal aspect. I mean, obviously a lot of these players, they're all going to have family, friends, you know, kids, and, and they've got to consider that, uh, that, that certainly matters more than anything. So, you know, yes, the hope is that we're able to navigate this, but obviously that matters more than anything. Um, I, I do disagree with you, though, on the NFL doing the best they can. I totally disagree with that. And the reason is that out of all the major sports that had the most time to come up with a specific, here's how we're going to do this plan, the NFL, I think, has really done very little. I mean, they've, they've essentially left it up to the teams and players and player association in a sense. Um, but I, I think that's unwise because I think what's, what, what's going to happen um, is I think you're going to start to see a lot of last minute, last second changes made that they're going to have to make because of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So just to compare, um, for lack of you know, a better, better word, like you know, NBA is obviously doing the bubble approach um, where they're trying to house everyone in the same, same place, keep everyone good. And actually they've seen – some weird success from that um, as of, you know, even just uh, July 20th, you know, they haven't had any one test positive out of like over 300 tests. So you have like one scenario where they're trying to make something work and it seems like it might be working for the most part. In my opinion, the NFL just hasn't had a super concrete approach other than, well, we'll probably have fewer fans in attendance. And it's, it's tricky, obviously, because it's sports and there's, there's only so much you can do when you have all the personnel involved with, you know, coaching staff and the players and the officiating. Um, but my concern is you look at what's happening, say, for example, in baseball, a team like the Marlins, they basically just got told, hey, you're, you're not going to play baseball this weekend because of guys being positive. So all that to say, 
something that I think football fans should prepare themselves for is let's say we do manage to get through what would be preseason and we get to the regular season and we start to play not, not having more specifics concerns me in that what are they going to do if suddenly let's say Tennessee and Washington play week one. And then a few days later, we find out some of the Washington players got positive. Do you tell both teams that they have to shut down for two weeks and self quarantine? Like, I think that's where there's not enough prepared in terms of like what they would do, but maybe they're just trying to wait it out and kind of see, see what happens. Yeah, no, I I think your disagreement is totally valid. And, I, you know, you know, you really actually hit a really solid point that the NFL early on, uh, Goodell was saying that the season, you know, the show must go on. The season's going to be there. And I found that kind of interesting considering kind of the bigger scare, you know, early on. Right. But he was very confident that everything was going to be fine. And now that we're here, I feel like they're doing a good job, but you know, kind of comparing to basketball, for example, you know, these teams are just so big. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking so many guys, especially at this point without the cut down um, to try to manage. And then if you do get into the season with a, what is it? A 52 man roster and a 10 practice squad team, I, you know, that's, that's a, that's a lot of people to kind of manage on top of everything else. So, I just really don't think the the you know playing in one area would work because I don't even know where you could put everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, there'd have to be some travel, obviously. And that's, yeah. that's definitely the trick. There's like to your point, there's so many people involved just for one team. I I I remember finding an article a while back on ESPN that was all about what it takes for like a team to just travel for one game, mm-hmm. and like it's just insane. Like just the people that are needed, you know, at the facilities to get everything loaded and get everything ready, it just takes all kind of interaction. And it, it's not to say that it couldn't happen. The trick right now, of course, is just that it's it's still unknown what how how it's supposed to work or what would be ideal. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think the NFL does sort of have a a black eye for having such a strong stance early on. But at the same time, I'm kind of impressed, you know, from, from, you know, yesterday hearing the presser, Vrabel's presser that, you know, they're, they do have a plan, you know, they do have, you know, they have the dividers between the, the players lockers. They, you know, are going to do all the team meetings in the, in their actual bubble on site at the facility so that it's all in an open room versus being confined to smaller yep. classrooms that yep. players are going to have assigned seats so that you always go to your seat. And of course the staff will wipe it down afterwards, but just in case that didn't happen, you'd still be, uh, you know, kind of essentially touching the same spot that you just touched, you know, not anybody knew. So I think, I think I am impressed with, with how detailed they've gotten with it and how far it's come. But I think you do point out a, a good point and, and you are kind of winning me, winning me over on your point, which is rare. Um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> let's just, uh, let's just take a moment. Let's yeah, just take yeah, a moment. Yeah. Let's, let's savor this. I'm feeling weak uh, right now. <laughs> someone, someone somewhere, poor shot. Uh, well, and to, to better state yeah. my concern, all I'm saying yeah. is, is that certainly I, I do agree that like the, the, the team plans that we're seeing put in place that are getting approved by the player association, they are exactly what they should be. I do believe that. I think the concern really just becomes now we don't know what to expect from the league. Once, once everything starts up, once we start seeing interactions, 
Um, not to backtrack, but I know one thing that was mentioned um, towards the end of the presser even was like, you know, how are you going to navigate, you know, having live practices? And there was kind of like a, a little bit of like an odd, like acknowledgement of like, well, that's the goal. Like, obviously our goal is to get to, you know, live play in some sense, because that, how else are you going to get the guys ready? How else are you going to get the, you know, conditioning, right? So it's, it's going to be tricky. I think ultimately it's just tough because we just don't know what to expect once this happens. And I, you know, I'm just hoping for the best, just hoping that we don't see a scenario where any team is, is like basically told, well, now you're going to have to sit out for a hot minute until, you know, things are fine again. Because I just feel like that's going to make the season so complicated. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm going to try to play Nostradamus here for a second. I, really, I really think that they're going to get all the way to that Thursday night game. It could even be, you know, a little while before the game and just call off the season. You know, I think they're going to wait till the last possible minute and then sort of think that this isn't going to work. Uh, so so you, you're you saying you think it's going to get all the way down to opening night, first game of the season, and they're going to be like, psych? Well, I don't think it's going to be so much psych. I think between now and that point, with the amount of guys that might cross the line, say they're opting out, and guys that get sick between now and then, um, and facilities that have breakouts, right? Cause we still haven't experienced that aspect yet. I think they're just gonna, you know, to avoid any sort of like, you know, bad product, if you will, cause the NFL is always about putting out such a good product, right? They're always about the bells and whistles and it. And, and, and the NFL always is number one. It's always the best. I, and I think if they can't, strive for that or they feel like they're just not going to hit that i just really feel like they're going to get all the way to the end so that that way it's more dramatic uh you know they just kind of call call it quits at that point and like i said it's it's not so much that i think they're purposely holding out i just think that a a lot's going to happen between now and then uh you know the first game is still what uh, a month and a half away almost you know maybe a little shy of that so i mean a lot just can happen between now and then. six weeks we're six weeks away and yeah look i think you're right and what's interesting is is even just today there are stories out about how the nfl is saying that they're still figuring out contingency plans so i think i think that's where it's just and and you know obviously we're not behind closed doors we don't work for the nfl so who knows like maybe they're just being quiet about what they have decided but you know, certainly the next six weeks are going to be key because I think especially even if you just look at the the Titans model for how they're approaching things, which I do think is as good as it's going to get, I think they're probably just looking to see, okay, how does the team do just trying to get through a month of practice, a month of scrimmage, a month of physicals and testing? Um, and, and not just that, but then how many more players are going to opt out? I mean, I know there's a deadline for that. Um, but I, that certainly is going to have to have some kind of impact on, on how teams can prepare for the season. Yeah, I, I definitely. And, and, and I think another thing too, that hasn't actually gotten touched on in, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, you see, uh, Instagram feeds like Henry that are just like working out every day and, you know, taking that sort of thing seriously. But as much as they're working out and training and, and Vrabel alluded to, to this in the presser, it's, it's you can't really simulate game speed, you know. It's yep. it's and, and so what I, what I'm coming to is that I think even if they did 
uh, play that first weekend, I think you're going to see a lot of guys get hurt just because they haven't been able to to take the the punishment that comes along with playing in the NFL. Yes, they might be in top tier shape, but to Vrabel's point, it you just still can't simulate you know game day speed or getting hit as a rookie running back, like as he alluded to as well. It, those kinds of things, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and so I think even if they do play that first week, I think just personally, and again, it's just my uh, my back to the future time machine here. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of guys come out of that first weekend bruised and banged up way worse than uh, you normally would have seen, you know. Yeah, that's a that's a really 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 great point because again, there's you could have the best you know scrimmage practice day of the week possible, and it still is not going to entirely mimic that actual gameplay. Um, so that that definitely is probably going to be a very um, test worthy sign of things. So just just to add a little bit more current news as well, as of earlier today, it looks like all teams have now gotten their COVID-19 plans approved by the Players Association. So as of right now, every team in the league um, has had their plan approved. So everyone's moving forward. Now it's just, it really is like a wait and see. It's it's a wait and see and hope that we're able to get through things um, well enough prepared and healthy and ready to compete. Um, it's going to be so interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, 2020 has been <laughs> such a profound year uh, for the human race and for sports and for everything, you know, I, I think we'll be talking about this year for years to come. I mean, <laughs> no better time to start a podcast. Yes. Uh, you know, and with today's news, it, it made for a good one, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, any other thoughts before we move on to our last but not least epic topic of threads? No, uh, I think we kind of covered everything we kind of wrote down on our little piece of paper. So I think we're good. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, yeah, so I will say uh, I, I did have that training camp hat arrive in the mail. If we were video casting, I would absolutely – I'd be wearing it, but I'd also be showing it off more. But, look, there, there aren't words for how glorious this hat is in person. So if, if anyone listening uh, is still kind of on the fence, just get off the fence and order it. Like, you need it, Okay. I mean, I'll even be courteous and say, no matter who your team is, you should get it. Oof, that was hard to say out loud, but whatever. Um, but yeah, the training, the training camp stuff, I think is glorious. Uh, really, the only new thing I noticed was the the player shorts. Oddly enough, only seem to be on uh, Dick Sporting Goods, at least for Tennessee. But uh, have you seen anything else come through? Um, yeah, I thought that the sideline uh, face mask gear that came out. Uh, yeah. Oh, yesterday yeah. was really cool to see uh, only because I think, you know, you're going to see that if the season marches on forward, you're going to see guys on the sideline wearing masks. It's just going to be mandated. So, uh, and, and so to see the actual like sideline mask, you know, cause you had a lot of like, uh, you know, cool artsy stuff kind of thrown in, which I, you know, I picked up three of them as a, they're, they're great. They're, they look great. In fact, I got comment complimented on, one of them uh, at Total Wine this weekend. Um, wow. Yeah, so some guy was like, Tennessee, and gave me a thumbs up, you know. Uh, hey, pe- people recognize. People recognize. <laughs> I will say I, I, I don't have any masks as of yet, as of yet but 
I've got a lot of apparel and I, no matter, no matter what I'm wearing, I'll go somewhere and someone will notice and say something. So we, we appreciate the love and respect world. Yes. And, and the, the, the mass is, you know, one way to show your, your team pride and also just to be safe. And, uh, you know, the, but, but coming back to the sideline ones, I think it was cool to see that because, you know, I think that's all for me, that's always a struggle. Like I see, once I see the player wearing it on the sideline or in the locker room, mm. like, that shirt is a shirt like I have to buy. <laughs> like no matter what, like I just gotta have it now. Yeah. It could have been the one I least liked, and just because I saw it, That's true. I saw it on Henry. All, and usually it's all like cut up, right? It's like torn up where they purposely did that. Uh, you know, I, I just still want it. You know, so uh, I think it, that that's always good to see the uh, the official sideline mask. You know, on fanatics last night to just kind of know that I, you know, when it, if it does happen. I won't freak out, and I can just order one. <laughs> that's a that's a good call out because when I when I put gear on, my 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 mindset really is, how can I look like I'm on the staff? <laughs> how can I look like a player on the sideline? I I've only two times has someone asked me if I'm actually on the team, and, and I you know <laughs> maybe one of these days, but but yeah, that, that's exactly the approach. There's something about seeing that official sideline and like gear of any kind that just that just makes it. Um, so, yeah, it'll be. Uh, I'm sure we'll see some stuff, especially in the next few weeks, because we're getting close to like official preseason days. Even though there won't be one, like usually around that time, they drop they drop some more stuff. Yeah, I'm just excited to see what comes out in the next couple of weeks. You know, um, you know, like you said, it, the the good stuff comes out right about now. So it'll be nice to see what drops. I really have liked how this year more than a lot of other years or any year I can think of, uh, they're really expanding um, the arsenal of shirts you can get, uh, giving us different kind of looks, different colors, uh, not colors like like colors that aren't part of the team, but I mean like matching and mixing colors that you hadn't really yeah. seen. And, and, you know, coming back to the infamous white shirt, um, you know, there's so many now it feels like that you can pick up uh, from Nike of all places where I think before, you know, you kind of always just had maybe like a like a long sleeve or like a hoodie or something. And it's kind of like only your only white shirt to get. There's so many now. Um, and when even even some of the other gear, like stuff you can buy for your house or memorabilia, you know, souvenir type stuff is so much stuff now. It, it makes me so happy to go on Fanatics. <laughs> Yeah, it's beautiful, and I, I think I dare say that they, we were inspiration for this. I mean, we're we're two tone take. You're seeing a lot of gear now that's two tone, right? They're going the two tone way, um, and obviously, you know, we we talked about it last year. Just you know, where's the white apparel that we keep seeing on the on the sidelines? So now we're seeing more of it. So shout out to to those making gear for acknowledging us and and essentially using us as inspiration for what you make. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah absolutely man we we just did we've done 70 minutes i know this is kind of record-breaking it's amazing yeah I, I think we had a lot to cover though today um and i True. hope everybody enjoyed the talk we'll try to wrap it up because i know 70 minutes uh it was fun to hit a record at the same time i know people have uh things to do in life <laughs> so True. uh but yeah no what a what a marathon of a podcast for the third one thought it was good uh, I've covered a lot of stuff. I think we probably could go on and on if we really wanted to, uh, but we'll save some for next week and keep them, keep right. them hungry. We'll, we'll try and pace ourselves each week. 
but yeah, it's been great. Certainly appreciate uh, those listening to Tone Take Podcast at Gmail. If you have any feedback, thoughts, questions, comments, or just you know want an official count on how many times we've said yah yah uh, <laughs> on the podcast here. I think I think we did better today though than any any week so far. So it's, we're getting there. I, I'm improving my counts. You know, uh, yeah. I, I think before if you had you know made it a drinking game, you would be out on the floor. I think maybe today's you'd you'd True. just be like. Could handle it better. It'd be just now. wobbling, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the 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 goal is just each week, you know, we'll 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 be here with with topics that are that are current. Uh, try and revisit things that that have updates. And regardless of everything that's going on, it is an exciting time. It, it's thrilling to see just this the players reporting again, and uh, you know, practices coming together. It's just it's just a beautiful time of year. So I know it's still toasty out there. It's August. We just got to get through that next month, and then we'll see that beautiful fall arrive. And we all know that means football. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. Yeah, really excited. And I I'd like to take a minute to just thank a lot of friends and family who uh, kind of support us through this. Uh, I know we don't have anywhere near the numbers of you know, somebody from ESPN or something like that. But uh, anyone, anyone of my friends or coworkers, you know, family that listens to this out of the kindness of your heart to uh, make, you know, <laughs> make me happy. Uh, I appreciate it. So thank you. Absolutely. We, we should, we should just think of a, of like our first guest, first guest to have on, like we'll, we'll pick one person that's just, you know, a friend, maybe a family member. I don't know. And then we'll think of like someone lofty, like an actual reporter or celebrity, just just for the heck of it to see if we can get them on. Yeah, we gotta get Paul Kaharski on so you can. Uh... No, I mean, you know, we we managed to go seventy three minutes and seventeen seconds, and you just you had to mention his name. I did really well. Not for uh, just to recap, I do not like Paul Kaharski. I do not like the man. Um, if you pay any attention to him, especially at like a live press conference, he clearly does not pay attention. So, um, Paul, if you're listening, sorry, not sorry. I'd still have you on, but I just think it'd be a really awkward conversation. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll try and we'll try and look for someone more genuine, you know, that does their job, like like maybe Jim White or Teron Davenport, something like that, something classic. <laughs> Paul Karski, man, we cannot, Ruben, we cannot end the show talking about Paul Karski. Now we have to talk about something else and then end, that the, end show. the show. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You know, what we'll have to, you know, what we haven't done is we haven't talked about the reality that if, if anyone listening has pets and I hope you do, uh, pets are amazing dogs, especially, uh, if your pet doesn't have any team apparel, they should. <laughs> so Ruben, you've got two dogs. Uh, and they both have uh, apparel of their own as well. They do. Uh, they love it. Um, most most Sundays when I put the jersey on, uh, Ozzy, uh, normally he wears it all the way to bedtime. <laughs> He's a, all, the, all way. the way. He just loves it. He doesn't want it off. Uh, so, yeah, no, I highly recommend picking up a jersey or a shirt for your dog. It's the best way to show support, and it makes for great pictures. Beautiful. Beautiful. There we go. That's That's the way to end it to just acknowledge the, all the pets out there who could be listening for all we know as well. Appreciate all the, all the pets. <laughs> so, but yeah, this has been great. Uh, three episodes in plenty more from here and uh, we'll, we'll see everyone in a week. All right. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night, folks. Two tone take. We're out. Out. <laughs>